Hi, and welcome to the Palliators Podcast. I'm your host, fellowship-trained hospice and palliative medicine physician, Dr. Tara Kateen. This podcast is for healthcare professionals who want to become more comfortable and more confident in caring for their chronically ill and terminally ill patients. With the help of the physicians who trained with me, we hope to provide education and to promote palliative care one podcast at a time. We're so glad to have you here. Hi, everybody. Aren't things crazy right now? COVID-19 is having its way with our country. And there's still so much work to do that's unrelated to the pandemic. It can be frightening when you think about all the possibilities. It seems like there's always something that needs attention right now. I'm trying to get some normalcy back in my routine, and I've been lamenting over getting the podcast done. One of my residents suggested that I talk about feeding tubes or peg tubes in dementia patients. So while considering this, I reviewed a little bit of the history of supplemental oral nutrition. And actually, I was disgusted to be reminded that Enteral nutrition was originally done via enema by the early Egyptians and Greeks. Now, this is why I'm not so good at small talk. The nerd in me is not only disgusted by that, but I'm actually very fascinated by it too. Anyway, providing feedings in the upper GI tract was noted in the 12th century but those feedings are best described in the late 16th century where a hollow tube was used. On one end of the tube, there was a reservoir that contained the feedings. The other end was inserted into the esophagus. Eventually, tubes were inserted through the nose or the mouth and were made long enough to reach the stomach. In the 1800s, the first surgically placed feeding tube, either via gastrostomy or jejunostomy, were attempted, and, you know, the results were pretty bad. In the early 1900s, advancements were made in understanding nutrition, and feeding tubes were developed that could reach the small bowel. In 1979, two physicians out of Ohio came up with the idea of placing a feeding tube using endoscopy. They wanted to eliminate the complexities with an open laparotomy and lower the potential for morbidity and mortality. They did this with simple equipment that's found in any hospital and endoscopy suite. They performed it on an infant. A little later, it was tweaked to be done on adults. Now between 100,000 and 125,000 peg tubes are done every year. And about one in every 10 pegs is placed in a patient with dementia in the United States. Most of us have talked about feeding tubes with our patients or their families. One of the more difficult things to think about for some people is that sometimes preparing food for somebody is also equated with loving that person. In my own family growing up, my mother and my grandparents were always cooking and sharing recipes. They were always tasting and eating. My mother and her sister used to watch cooking shows over the phone together and critique the chef. Not eating their food was insulting to them. Their feeding us was showing us love, and our eating their food was showing them love. So talking about feeding tubes with families can be an emotional subject. Many families have a difficult time considering not placing a feeding tube. 
our own bias can get thrown in the mix about what we want them to choose. It's important to have those goals of care conversations and include discussions about artificial nutrition and hydration long before it seems to be a treatment option. In the late 1990s and early 2000s, there were many studies published that showed that patients with Alzheimer's disease or advanced dementia do not benefit from feeding tubes. Feeding tubes did not increase survival or change mortality. They did not improve quality of life in patients with advanced dementia. Studies showed that patients who had significant functional decline with recurrent or progressive medical illnesses would not likely benefit from artificial nutrition. They did not prevent aspiration pneumonia. They did not heal pressure ulcers. Some studies found that there is a higher incidence of pressure wound development when feeding tubes were used. Around 2013, the American Geriatric Society published their position on feeding tubes. In it, they stated that careful hand feeding was at least as good as tube feedings when considering the ultimate outcomes of death, aspiration pneumonia, functional status, and patient comfort. They also found that tube feedings tended to be associated with more agitation and the use of restraints, either physical or chemical. Tube feedings can be associated with other complications like volume overload or diarrhea and abdominal pain as well as local infections. Also, there tends to be less social interaction with patients who are receiving tube feedings. Careful hand feeding leads to more socialization and less isolation. Careful hand feeding requires correct positioning and a lot of time, which tends to be a problem for some people. The Alzheimer's Association position statement came out about five years ago. They also stated that the research does not support a benefit from feeding tubes in advanced dementia and that feeding tubes may actually cause harm in the advanced stages of Alzheimer's. They stated it's permissible from an ethical standpoint to withhold nutrition and hydration that's artificially administered when a patient with Alzheimer's is in the end stages of the disease and can no longer take food or water by mouth. They emphasize that careful hand feeding offers the highest quality of care and should be offered to all individuals with advanced Alzheimer's disease who can competently and comfortably handle oral feeding. They called for efforts to educate and support professional and family caregivers in the mechanics of careful hand feeding. The Alzheimer's Association recommended that evidence on the risks and benefits of tube feedings versus careful hand feedings can be provided to people with Alzheimer's and their caregivers so that they could make informed decisions. I've printed up their position statement several times to give to residents. Some of them have wanted to leave it in the waiting rooms to make it easier to talk about. In a 2014 article from the Journal of Nutrition, Health, and Aging, a systematic review of outcomes of enteral nutrition for patients with advanced dementia was published. They found that enteral nutrition did not improve mortality compared to the oral route. They found that this outcome was associated with comorbidities such as peripheral vascular disease, diabetes, and chronic heart failure than the actual route of feeding itself. The route of diet administration showed no differences in the nutritional and clinical outcomes. There was a common complication of aspiration pneumonia associated with tube feedings. There was a high association 
with pressure ulcers. They did not conclude that tube feedings were harmful in this population. They suggested that since dementia was a life-limiting illness, that survival was not the best approach to assess the efficacy of general nutrition. There's a fairly recent article from the Journal of Clinical Gastroenterology that reasserts that peg tube placement in patients with dementia does not improve their nutritional status, and they often have worse outcomes compared with patients getting peg tubes who have other diagnoses. They found that peg tubes in patients with dementia did not improve their short-term nor the long-term mortality, nor the rehospitalization rate compared to patients who underwent peg placement for other indications like neurologic diseases or head and neck cancers. Peg tube placement was even associated with an increased short-term mortality. Another article from 2019 found in the Journal of Aging Research again reviewed the burdens and perceived benefits of tube feedings in individuals with advanced dementia. They discussed the consideration that there are some factors that may contribute to the placement of feeding tubes in patients with advanced dementia. Being at a relatively younger age, being male, being an ethnic minority, and not having an advanced directive nor a DNR order. Also, nursing home patients with Alzheimer's disease and vascular dementia with a history of stroke are more likely to have a feeding tube placed than those patients with dementia who have a cancer as a comorbid condition. In this article, they reviewed perceived benefits and actual outcomes. They also compared outcomes of patients with advanced dementia and those with other diseases. Interestingly, patients with advanced dementia and Parkinson's disease had longer median survival times than patients with head and neck cancer and ALS. They also discussed the difficulty in doing randomized controlled trials for ethical reasons. So when making recommendations or looking at the data, you need to be cognizant of the fact that a lot of the research comes from observational studies. For this reason, we must understand that while inserting a feeding tube may be a problem or may be considered futile because of the patient's poor condition, there may be a select few for whom it may be appropriate. We must always consider the benefits versus the burdens for each patient. They go on to emphasize that most of the available research evidence and experts' recommendations agree that careful hand feeding is the recommended standard of care for older adults with advanced dementia. The Lynn Care Quarterly published an article in 2016 that described flaws in the previous research and published guidelines and ultimately they recommended shared decision-making with the information specific to the individual, individual patient's particular situation. With everything in palliative care and hospice, goals of care drive the discussion. What's usually called goals of care, I think of as goals for living. When you know what's important to a patient and how they live, it's easier to make recommendations regarding medical interventions. One of the things that happens commonly as people approach death is that they lose their appetite or develop difficulty swallowing. Generally, placing a peg when someone is close to death is not helpful, and it doesn't help them to live better or longer. It tends to create more difficulties. Whether they're close to death because of their dementia or from another illness, 
feeding tubes tend to be more burdensome than beneficial. And I think that brings us to the end of this segment on PEG tube use in advanced dementia. I'll put links to the articles and the position statements and other articles in the show notes at thepalliators.com. Now it's time for our reflection. It comes to us from Bob Marley. It goes like this. You never know how strong you are until being strong is your only choice. Now that's it for now. I hope you'll come back next time. If you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a good rating and a good review in your podcast app. If you have topics that you'd like us to address on future podcasts, please go to our website, thepalliators.com, and send us a message. You'll find our show notes on the website as well. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.